everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Gabriel Chavez. And I am Paul Sheffield. Today we sling rotten pizza at the absolute horror show that is Ernest Scared <laughs> Stupid. But first, this is a comedy podcast. If you have not seen the movie we're about to shit on and want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers and want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, climb into that treehouse with that 40-something-year-old never-married trash man and blow white liquid all over the faces of those trolls. I promise you that he's not a diddler. <laughs> Without further ado, let's hand it over to Don, Don LaFontaine. <clears throat> Ernest accidentally unleashes an ugly troll that plots to transform children into wooden dolls in the town of Briarville, Missouri. I'm, I'm taking a little departure this week from Pablo Francisco. It seemed appropriate with this movie, but uh, yeah, yeah. But if you if you took the name Ernest out of there, out of this title, right, like or out of the, the the log line this movie would be a very different and maybe actually would have been pretty awesome or at the very least fucked up but we will get to that <laughs> in a second <clears throat> this is a <clears throat> this is a touchstone pictures release in association with touchwood pacific partners one touchstone we previously looked at with episode 38 kazam while kazam is not indicative of the quality of releasing this disney-owned company can provide its racism must never be forgotten <laughs> just saying once again they gave us the entertaining 10 things i hate about you one of christopher nolan's many masterpieces called the prestige the help lincoln dead poet society face off apocalypto gangs of new york high fidelity and many many more Speaking of stupidity, Paul, uh, March 4th just passed, and like the QAnon people are freaking out because Donald Trump isn't president again. But no. I don't know if you heard Wait. about their their latest stupid theory is that they, uh, that Biden is wearing his mask all the time because Donald Trump is actually had a face off style transplant with Joe Biden, <laughs> and like he hasn't been able to get his mouth synced up properly with the way that Biden talks, so he wears the mask all the time in order to mask his mouth not uh, properly stinking. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, sense. great. Sense, Where did yeah. he hide the extra 100 pounds worth of weight <laughs> that he had? But it doesn't matter. Stupid motherfuckers. Always, he's always been wearing a bodysuit, you know, and he finally <laughs> just tossed it off. That's Took funny. it off. Dude, that's the thing. He's been a fucking plant for forever. He's in deep cover, man. That's what people don't understand. The man who cannot keep his fucking sentences straight has been a fucking deep cover agent for forever. Sure. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on past that because I'll get bogged down talking about QAnon stupidity. But among these many more movies are Armageddon, You Again, Dark Water, Adventures in Babysitting, The Water Boy, and Pearl Harbor, a.k.a. the movie that takes the deaths of 2,403 servicemen, a.k.a. a typical Tuesday with COVID, and strains those deaths through the cum-soaked parachute <laughs> of a love triangle love story, which is fucking awful, by the way. <laughs> Don't Touch My Wood, a.k.a. Touchwood Pacific Partners 1, we looked at with the visual atrocity that is Super Mario Brothers, and their list is increasingly awful. <laughs> while, they do do the, while they did do the middling movie Mighty Ducks, they also did Sister Act, Hocus Pocus with the woman who looks like a foot named Sarah Jessica Parker, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, Encino Come Man on, with Gabe. the... What? <laughs> <laughs> she can't help how she looks okay all right i'm sorry you know what you're right okay 
At least I didn't go the South Park route and say that she's a transvestite <laughs> donkey witch. <laughs> they also did Encino Man with the Air I Breathe alum Brendan Fraser and Son-in-Law with the absolute animated pile of human shit piled in the alley next to the seven train named Polly Shore. This <laughs> gag film, as I kept reading it referred to this week, which uh, which actually made me glottal stop from its stupidity, was produced by four <laughs> snot rockets. The first of these quite oh. literal real-life trolls is Martin Ehrlichman. Martin has produced 26 things over his lifetime, including 12 Barbara Streisand specials and concerts and one nice. movie starring her. Four earnest movies and a Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch video game. <laughs> what the motherfuck? Look at the Wait, cover. Look Marky at the Mark cover for Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch make my video. I'm serious. Look at it. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch make my video. Look at it. It's horrifying. <laughs> Almost there. Oh yeah! <laughs> Isn't that the classic? Looks great, doesn't it? I love it. <laughs> oh man, Sega Genesis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> the the second producer worth mentioning is a man named after what undoubtedly everyone on this production had to snore in order to survive this tribulation. His name is Coke Sam's. When Coke isn't doing earnest movies and TV, he is producing Christian-themed movies. I'm not joking. He did a movie called Blue Like Jazz with no one that you would know. Let's read its synopsis, shall we? Don, a 19-year-old sophomore at a Texas junior college that tries to escape his Bible Belt upbringing by going to the Pacific Northwest at the most godless campus in America. And that's not all, folks. Coke did another movie called The Second Chance. Let's take a look at how Coke not only examines religion, but how it quickly turns racist in the synopsis. Ethan Jenkins and Jake Sanders are both passionate pastors who worship the same God from the same book. But that's where the similarities end. White and well-to-do Ethan is comfortable in his music industry at the media-savvy suburban megachurch. The Rock. While Jake is a street-smart African-American who ministers to gang members, teen mothers, and drug addicts of the urban second chance. <laughs> when they are suddenly thrown together in a tough neighborhood and forced to work side-by-side, side, Ethan discovers there is no boundary between the streets and the sanctuary. But can the faith these two men share overcome the prejudices that divide them to give themselves and a struggling urban church a second chance? I have no words. No words, Paul. Should have sent a poet in order to talk about this because I have no words. Oh, he also did a movie called The Identical about an Elvis Presley-looking motherfucker who has a twin brother who has no idea his brother is a big country singer and whose dad, played by Ray Liotta, wants him to become a preacher that co-stars Ashley Judd and Seth Green with a 25 on Metacritic. So there's that. Oh, man. Nice. Sounds like a great movie, doesn't it? <laughs> It's the third amazing. the third and final producer I want to talk about is Phil Walden. While Phil only produced four movies in his career before dying in 2006, he produced a movie called Randy and the Mob. 
Randy and the Mob stars Ray McKinnon, a.k.a. the guy who played Vernon T. Waldrop. He's a suitor from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> what's, important to note, what's important to note on this movie is he plays two roles. One is a guy who gets in trouble after borrowing money from the mob and his twin brother, who is gay. And in the trailer, he is used as the brunt of every punchline in the trailer because apparently in 2007, when the movie was made, making gay people dress like women and cracking jokes about them was apparently funny and okay. Goddamn. When, when researching Ernest this week, Paul, I went from ashamed I ever found Ernest funny to angry at the <laughs> sheer amount of homophobic and Bible-thumping racist shit the people involved with Ernest produced. Anyway, <laughs> this, this movie... Stars Jim Varney and Eartha Kitt, and that's it. It's not even worth looking at anyone else as they have not done anything I could ever give a shit about. Jim Varney is probably most well known as Ernest, as well as voicing Slinky Dog in Toy Story 1 and 2 before his death in the year 2000 from lung cancer. Don't smoke, kids. He first played Ernest in a series of fake commercials in the 1983 video of Hey Vern, It's My Family album, and would continue to play him until the idiotic 1998 movie Ernest in the Army. That's 18 iterations, movies, TV shows, and straight-to-video specials of the stupidest oh, man. man alive. <laughs> he also had a small role in Atlantis the Lost Empire, which I don't mind, by the way. It's imaginative, but also a tale of cultural tourism and the white savior, but besides the fact, and a movie called 100 Proof, a hard-minded drama Ooh. about a true-life story of a Lexington, Kentucky killing spree by LaFonda Faye Foster <laughs> and Tina Hickey Powell. So that's something. He was also in the Beverly Hillbillies because Redneck and some movie called Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain with Hulk Hogan, which looks <laughs> just incredible. Oh, it's the man, 53rd like worst movie on IMDb, by the way. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta watch the trailer, dude. It's so fucking bad. I saw it. I was like, wait, oh, wait. I have no idea What's what it this called? is. What's called? What's called? It's called, it's called Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. Uh, all right. Apparently, it was a sequel to another Three Ninjas movie about wow. fucking kung fu uh, children. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember Three Ninjas being like a, a movie with kids, <laughs> but I didn't know there was a sequel. Yeah, I'll have to watch that trailer later on. Yeah. All right, all right. It's a lot, but, man. Uh, but, oh, uh, by the way, they are planning on rebooting the Ernest franchise with an upcoming movie called Son of Ernest. So oh, there's Jesus that. Christ. Thank you for that at Hollywood because this yeah. is what we desperately need. Ch children's cancer research is still underfunded <laughs> in this country. <laughs> but we need an earnest movie reboot. Okay. Oh, uh, man. He's been in thousands and thousands of commercials. I mean, that's <laughs> how this whole earnest thing really started. Took off, yeah. Yeah. I remember him doing like Blake's lot of burger commercials and shit like <laughs> yeah. that. Like it, it must not have cost much to get an earnest, earnest commercial made. No, you just, probably not. So you do I mean, like any, anything really. <laughs> he, he is a very, very prolific, uh, commercial actor and yeah. like voiceover artist, which is kind of interesting. But anyway, Eartha Kitt had an amazing voice. 
She was a talented singer, songwriter, dancer, comedian, activist, and author. She's most famous as a sing as a singer for her song Santa Baby and the French song called C'est Bon. I think I said that correctly, which is the type of lounge jazz that I actually really like. She also had 72 acting credits before her death in 2008 at the age of 81 from colon cancer. Orson Welles once called her the most exciting woman in the world, which is something. Her most her most well-known acting role is probably her voiceover work as Yzma in and the Emperor's New Groove. She's also in the bizarre fantasy film Eric the Viking with Tim Robbins and directed by, I'm sorry, not Tim Robbins, Tim Curry, and directed by Monty Python's own Terry Jones, <laughs> as well as Boomerang with Eddie Murphy. Side note, it's a fucking travesty that Coming to America 2 is rated PG-13. <laughs> what a fucking cop-out. And some movie called Butterflies and Heat about a male hustler banging his way around the political circle circles in the sweat-stained taint that is Key West, Florida. <laughs> Place <laughs> this, is awful, by the way. I hate there. that. Dude, I fucking... I'm sorry that I shit on Florida so much, but I fucking hate Florida, man. There's one thing about Florida that I enjoy. This rotting pile of pumpkin chunks sitting on the front porch was written by director John R. Cherry, our pal Coke Sams, we spoke of earlier, and Charles Gale. I'll get to Cherry in a minute, but can I just say this movie was made by Cherry Coke? That's a good one, Gabe. Forget that I said it. Uh, Charles Gale, <laughs> Charles Gale <laughs> wrote five movies in his lifetime, beginning with a Judd Nelson movie called Making the Grade. A Rod Steger movie called Guilty as Charged, Tattletale with Breakfast Club starlet Ali Sheedy, and ending his career in 1995 with Captain Nuke and the Bomber Boys with Joe Mantegna mm. and Martin Sheen, which is also his one and only directing credit. Do you think that half the shit in the 90s was made, Paul, because of cocaine? Like, that's the oh, God's man. honest oh, truth. Yeah, How many fucking <laughs> movies from the 90s have we looked at where we're just like, how did this get made? Like... Who cocaine. who put money yeah. down for this? Like, this is cocaine <laughs> all the way. But seriously, like, fucking anyone could make a movie in the 90s that would get theatrical distribution. This leads us to director John R. Cherry. He did 22 pieces of shit over the years, 14 of which are about Ernest, and the other <laughs> eight are shorts no one has ever seen or gives a shit about. He did all the Ernest movies. That's what you need to know about him. Presumably because he couldn't get anyone else to touch the story of an unmarried man in his 40s acting like an idiot and hanging around with the neighborhood children. He also did some movie called Pirates of the Plain with Tim Curry, which features a line in the trailer I cannot agree with more. Tim, Car Tim Curry falls from the sky in a time vortex style event and wakes up to a kid standing over him who he remarks to, Thank God, I'm in heaven, to which the child responds, No, you're not. You're in Nebraska, a.k.a. the complete opposite <laughs> of heaven. It's hell on earth, and you know it, Nebraska. The trailer features Tim Curry wielding a chainsaw and chasing pirates from a farmhouse, so it's it's something for sure. <laughs> it might actually be worth watching at some point. But <laughs> this... This movie is a child-friendly 91 minutes long and opened on October 11, 1991 in 1,787 theaters and was produced for $15 million. I, I was one of those children that saw really? this movie You saw in this theaters. in fucking theaters? God damn yeah. you. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. see this in theaters. 
I was a big Ernest fan when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. I'm saying this uh, very, it's, very. It's shamedly. weird looking looking back at the Ernest kind of phenomenon. Yeah, I, I it doesn't make any sense now watching this movie, no. but back in the day, Ernest was the shit. Yeah, the way to go. And then a lot of his like weird slapstick, like costume changing antics made it into like children's TV shows too, like uh, like Beekman's World. I don't know if you ever watched Beekman's World growing up. It was like a science TV show with like this uh, fucking scientist in a neon green lab coat, and he had his hair all fucking blown out like uh, Kramer Mm, from Seinfeld. Sounds familiar. His, his co-host was a guy in a giant rat suit that was always making shit jokes, which is weird. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was a weird fucking time, man. Again, coke in the nineties, bro. Like none of this shit would be made these days. But anyway, Ernest opened in the number four spot with a four point four five three million dollar weekend, with the Goldie Hawn vehicle deceived below it in the number five spot. The Al Pacino, Michelle Pfeiffer comedy, Frankie and Johnny, opening above it in the number three spot. The Denzel Washington, John Lithgow, Ice-T movie, Ricochet, opening in the number two spot. And lastly, in the number one spot, a mere $540,000 above it was the excellent Robin Williams, Jeff Bridges, Terry Gilliam movie called The Fisher King in its fourth week. It's actually oh, kind of hard for me to believe when I was looking at the the box office numbers that the spread between first and fourth place was only five hundred and forty grand. I was like, that's pretty tight. Like every movie in between was like a hundred thousand dollars more than Ernest, and I was like, wow, this yeah. is like identical numbers, pretty much. It's like weird going thinking to... of a Terry Gilliam movie being on top of the box right? office, that is <laughs> especially weird. in its fourth week. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. That's crazy. Maybe, maybe 12 monkeys in the first week, but then yeah. it's going to drop off. You know, like every yeah. movie fucking drops yeah. off. But four <laughs> weeks later, and he's still number one. That's crazy. But side note on The Fisher King, Paul and I rented it on DVD via <laughs> Netflix back in the day when it was still a thing. And it features a flashback scene of what set Robin Williams' character down his path to craziness. It's a shocking scene of a gunman entering a room and blasting Robin Williams' wife in the face with a shotgun killing her it's meant to be tragic and sobering but i don't know why it happened it just did i started uncontrollably laughing when her brains and skull flew out and landed in robin's open mouth to this day to this day i don't know why i laughed that hard about it but it's sort of where my sense of humor with movie violence is but Paul still laughs about my fucked up reaction to this day. Yeah, see, I'm laughing about his reaction, not the actual thing that was happening on the screen. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why it happened, dude. It just happened. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, it's like one of the most shocking and tragic scenes in any movie. And it's all backed up by Williams's like amazing performance and everything right. like that. And, and you're I'm just laughing. Like, God and Gabe's just <laughs> laughing. Just <laughs> laughing. <laughs> uh, uh. Anyway, anyway. Also out this week was Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare, which it wasn't. Robin Hood, <laughs> Prince of Thieves. <laughs> Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, with the reason why Steve McQueen didn't win an Oscar for 12 Years a Slave, named Kevin Costner, and the all-time action classic Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Have I explained that theory Uh, to you, Paul? What's that? Why I blame uh, Kevin Costner for everything that sucks about movies these days. 
Oh, why is that? Why is that? So run with me for a second, all right? Listen, uh-huh. listen to this film history because it's gonna. I'm gonna do this in such a way that you can't help but agree with me. So, 1990, right? 1990, Dances with Wolves is out, right? And it wins the Best Picture Oscar as well as the Best Director Oscar, right? Also out in 1990 is Goodfellas, arguably Martin Scorsese's best movie, which he got nominated for but lost to Kevin Costner for, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's cut ahead real quick to 2006. 2006, 16 years later, you have Scorsese winning for The Departed, right? Which is arguably not his best movie, but it is really entertaining, and it is, in a lot of ways, a makeup Oscar for all the shit that Scorsese's (laughs) made over the years. Yeah. But that same year, 2006, Alfonso Cuaron has Children of Men, which is arguably the best directed uh, movie that year. Yeah. And he lost to Martin Scorsese. So cut ahead another seven years to 2013, and Cuaron wins his makeup Oscar for Gravity, right? 2013, <laughs> he wins Gravity. Yeah, yeah. But Steve McQueen has 12 Years a Slave that same year and loses the Oscar to Alfonso Cuaron's makeup Oscar for them not rewarding him for Children of Men, which they were (laughs) fucking making up the fact that they didn't give fucking Scorsese his Oscar. So bottom line, Kevin Costner is responsible for (laughs) Steve McQueen not having an Oscar. That's that. That's all there is to it. Anyway, also out this same week was the action classic Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which I cannot get enough of. Oh, man. Over its 84-day run in theaters, Ernest was able to blow loose $14.143 million at the box office. Only 84 days, though. It's crazy. Yeah, it's not terrible. But, I mean, that's what they used to do, though, because they had a 90-day, you know, embargo on VHS tapes and shit like that. And it wasn't... Mm. The box office back in the day, your movie was lucky to get $100 million. You know what I mean? Like, that was the mark of a lot of money was when you broke $100 million. Now you open it $100 million, and they're like, oh, whatever, fuck you. And I'm like, god damn, dude. Like, how much much money do you need in a three-day time period? Holy shit. (laughs) But this movie only received a domestic release, presumably because the rest of the world wouldn't understand the difference between dumb hillbilly comedy and the real IQ of the U.S. (laughs) under George H.W. Bush. He didn't want the world to think that this was a documentary on the stupidity of Americans. This gross not only makes Ernest a failure of almost four million bucks with with advertising costs, but also the four thousand three hundred ninety ninth movie of all time at the domestic box office behind the nineteen eighty comedy Holy Moses with Dudley Moore. But ahead of the Oscar winning comedy by the writer of Network called The Hospital with George C. Patton Scott. This gross also makes Ernest Scared Stupid the 6,041st movie of all time worldwide, ahead of the previously mentioned The Hospital, but ahead of the rather excellent French fantasy movie called La Belle Epoque from 2019. This week, as Ernest was not released overseas for fear of the world viewing Americans as stupid, I do not have the international box office numbers to report. What I can tell you is that the country that avoids Jim Varney like he's a fucking snot-covered troll is Latvia, with a $3,486 average opening weekend with a $10,616 average gross. The top grossing movie of all time in Latvia was Ben Still was the 2007 Ben Stiller, Malene Ackerman, and Michelle Monaghan I'm Gonna Cheat on My Wife comedy Heartbreak <laughs> Kid 
with a massive $1.975 million gross. Listen to this, Paul. The second highest grossing movie of all time in Latvia was the 2009 Dances with Smurfs, second largest movie in the world, episode 11's <laughs> movie Avatar, with $998,000. So this fucking Ben Stiller movie made double what Avatar made for some fucking reason. And it's, this isn't even one of his good ones. This isn't, you know, Meet the Parents or like Zoolander or any of the ones. There's something about Mary. This is just one of those weird Ben Stiller flicks that kind of came out in the 2000s. But this is the top grossing movie in Latvia for some reason. I don't know why. I was digging around this for this for a while, bro. And I was like, I don't know why they latched onto this movie. But... <laughs> But the largest movie of all time, Avengers Endgame, did not even place in Latvian box office numbers. So that's something. Not sure what about Heartbreak Kid resonated so strongly with the Latvian people. I can only guess. That being said, calculating the cost of a movie ticket in Latvia in 1991 is a little tricky. Between 1992 and 2019, Latvia experienced an inflation index of 10,239.3%. Oh, that being said, reversing the current cost of 7.8 euros per person across a currency change in 2014 when Latvia joined the EU and adopted the euro from the Latvian uh, lot, the Latvian lot, uh, and previous to that, the Russian ruble, and compound that with the independence of Latvia and its establishment of an independent democratic state on August 21st, 1991, where the GDP per capita systematically increased over 41% over a 10-year period in 1990, then suffered a downturn of over 50% by 1995. <laughs> this unstable economy and the rapid shrinkage of the economy and unfavorable influence of the standard of living, I would venture to say that people were not seeing movies in Latvia in 1991. That's just is my personal opinion because I couldn't find a fucking thing about the Latvian box office in 1991. That being said, I'm going to go with the current exchange rate that I can find of 47 rubles per American dollar and assuming the cost of pre-inflation being comparable to Russian movie tickets at the same period of 651 rubles per person in 1981. That brings the cost of a movie ticket to Latvia in 1991 to a staggering $13.85 oh, American oh, per person when the U.S. average was $4.21 during this same time period. As such, ex extrapolation means that essentially everyone in Latvia, the amount of asses that would be in seats in 1991 would have been 766.5 Latvians would have seen this movie opening weekend, provided all the caveats above were satisfied, which there are a lot of assumptions made there, by the way. Finally, Billy Half-Ass would have been found in Latvia watching Ernest in 1991. Oh, yeah, Billy Half-Ass. <laughs> Finally. Oh. One of them shows up with a population of 2.658 million people in 1991. That means that provided movies were being shown in Latvia in 1991 and that my math on exchange rates was correct, that 2.8837 of Latvia's population would have made it out to watch Ernest not diddle children. Ernest Scared Stupid <laughs> has a not-too-shabby 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb with 10,736 votes, a 38 on Metacritic, and a splatty 17% on RottenTomatoes.com with a 50% audience score. 
This rating places Ernest Scared Stupid a full point above Anaconda, The Air I Breathe, and Speed Racer on Metacritic, four points higher than 10,000 BC, and five points higher than Resident Evil. So this, by all accounts, is the best movie that we've reviewed in a while, is Ernest Scared Stupid. (laughs) The Rotten Tomato score places it. We did choose this one because it was the best rated of the earnest movies yeah we could have gone for slam dunk earnest but yeah Mm. that uh (laughs) with its 4.3 or whatever it is this rotten tomato score places it a full point worse than the happening and three points worse than jason x but at least it's 17 points better than the last days of american crime and a full 11 points better than Geely. so that's something this movie ranks highest amongst males aged less than 18 with a 7.3 out of 10 and lowest amongst females aged 45 plus with a 5.5 out of 10. <laughs> so this is literally the children and their mothers shaking their head being, what the fuck are you, what am I showing my child? I think the women don't like how the, the crazy old lady is portrayed in this movie. <laughs> Or maybe it's the setup that there's basically a diddler running around and making <laughs> like being the main source of the comedy. This week, I am vomiting my guts up thinking about the 1,665 people or a staggering 15.5% of the vote who rated this a perfect fucking 10 funniest movie ever made on IMDb. My vote this week stands with 3.7% of the vote or 396 people who voted this a 2 out of 10, mostly because of the makeup, by the way, that I didn't give it a 1. My favorite reviews this week begin with Steve Davis of the Austin Chronicle. Steve catapults, quote, This movie nonetheless offers the frightening prospect of yet another installment of the Big E's misguided antics, end quote. Original score, 4 out of 10 stars. Rita Kempley of the Washington Post squeezes out, quote, Alongside this silly kitty Halloween comedy, reruns of Hee Haw seem like works of great comic <laughs> inspiration. Original score, four out of ten stars. The last review comes the, the last review this week comes from none other than TV Guide. Remember them, Paul? Believe it or not, younger listeners, we had to read a magazine to find out what was on TV and when at one time <laughs> in our lives. Anyway, the faceless TV guide critiques, quote. While some kids may get a kick out of Ernest Scared Stupid, most adults will wonder why this asinine film directed by John Cherry from a screenplay by Charlie Gale and Coke Sams was ever made. End quote. Original score, one out of four stars. <laughs> Lastly, Ernest Scared Stupid is rated PG with no rating descriptor as this is 1991. Which is kind of funny, actually, because back in 1991, you know, like they or uh, you know, prior to 1991, PG-13 movies were PG movies. And even some R-rated material would leak into PG movies like an airplane with like the tits running around (laughs) in a PG movie. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, Paul, Pete Rose Sr. steps up to the bat. The father of dickhead Pete Rose Jr., who we looked at for episode 17, (laughs) Cats. Pete Rose Sr. had a lot going for him. He has more at-bats than any other player in history with 14,053 over 24 seasons in the MLB. 
while his son would go on to only hit two balls in his 52 <laughs> chances to do so and think just because and thinks just because his dad was a ball player that he could play baseball and ended his career with an awful .143 batting average. Pete Rose Sr. had a 303 batting average, has played in more games than anyone, and has more hits than any two players. He did, on, he did, however, hold another record many people don't know of. You see, Paul, this week, the 5'11", 192-pound righty who bats ambidextrously from the industrial wasteland that is Cincinnati, Ohio, would step up to bat on August 17, 1986, after 24 years in the game, in a home game for the Reds at Riverfront Stadium. 27,175 Ohioans. Ohioans? Is that how you, Ohioans? How do you say that? Ohioans? Just Buckeyes. Call them Buckeyes. <laughs> Buckeyes. <Damn>. 27,175 <laughs> Buckeyes look on in a 67.9% full stadium during the day game. August in Cincinnati yields high 80s with a humidity in the high 70s. A swamp in a dump. Fantastic. <laughs> It's the bottom of the eighth as Pete Rose steps up to plate one last time as San as the San Diego Padres pitcher Rich Gossage stands on the mound. Mr. Rose is about to set a record, Paul, not for how awesome these next three pitches are going to ricochet off his bat, but because by the time he strikes out, as he so gloriously goes out, it will be his 10,328th out of his career. We flash back in time as you stand in the batter's box this time. You see the pitch coming at you with two outs on the board. Fuck it. My dick doesn't even work. I feel my knee is going to explode, and I fucking hate Cincinnati. <laughs> you think as you quantum leap into Richard Gossage's shoes. Fuck, this guy is old as shit. I'd never let him near my kids, you think, as you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. <laughs> Oh, I've got, let me tell you about this very specific subgenre of film that I want to, I want to produce here. It's, sure. it's called mucus fantasy, <laughs> <laughs> where you take fantasy characters and you cover them with mucus. I mean, it's a very specific demographic that, uh. Really gets off on this kind of thing. This yeah. sounds like a fetish thing. Are you sure yeah, what you're I'll, about to pit? Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we can get the funding if we wrap it in an Ernest P. Whirl movie. Ah, because so we get we have a troll, and it's going to be covered in sexy dripping mucus <laughs> out of all of its orifices. Mm. And Ernest is going to run around doing his dumbass thing, but the troll, oh my god, we're going to have a scene where the troll gets, like, smacked against a windshield, and there's going to be a mucus, like, oh. imprint of its face on the windshield. Oh my god, I'm getting so hard right now. Oh my god, and oh my it's god. Gonna be, there's going to be children, like, covered in mucus. And <laughs> and then the final, the epic climax of the movie is Ernest has to kiss the troll climax. while he's covered in milk, okay. like it milky mucus. And of course, yes, of course, the milk like brings along this mucus. <laughs> like there's going to be so much milk consumption and 
and spraying around this movie. Just oh. the milk companies of America. The milk companies of America are going to help us fund this thing, right? They're, we're going to oh, do absolutely. like some pro yeah, milk messages. Big, it's awesome. Big, big tie-in with milk, milk and mucus. They're always tied together, one <laughs> one. So we can we can yes. cash in with the milk makers of America. And get the fetish crowd in here? Is that what you're no, telling us? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh man, this sounds yeah. like an awesome. And the Diddler movie. crowd, but you know, nice. I don't, I'm not I'm not really keen on that. But you know, <laughs> they're they're a legitimate market, so you might as well uh, wrap it all well. into there together. Mucus, milk, well. and diddler. What is America? I guess those better fucking dumbasses are like Ernest too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> what is America better at than sexualizing children? Absolutely. Jean Benet's still alive at this point, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anything's gonna happen to her. I'm sorry. Is that in bad taste? Can I mention Jean uh, Benet? It's been uh, what fucking yeah. It's been God a damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, Paul, you you had seen this before, right? Yep. No, I was. I think my dad liked Ernest a lot for whatever reason, and we ended up going to see it in the theater. And I was very afraid of this movie because I was a really <laughs> young kid. And I mean, it's pretty intense for There's kids. Some trolls in like. Here, man. Catching children and turning them into wood. I mean, it's basically like the trolls murdering them and turning yeah. them into little statuettes. Yeah. Even the dog gets murdered. I mean, that's fucked up, dude. That's up, some intense shit for a children's movie. You never go after movie. the dog, man. Never go yeah. after the dog. Now, my, yeah. my dad was also into Ernest, but I think it's because my dad likes, uh, you know, the Three Stooges. And yeah. the Three Stooges are... You know, entirely based off of slapstick and racism. By the way, there's a lot of racism. Of course, um, but the uh, my dad really liked them. So like, we had seen this on uh, on video, you know, and so like that we didn't go to the movie theater that often. And like I told you before, the first movie theater experience that I ever had was going to see The Lion King in 1994. It was the first movie that I ever went to, and it fucking blew my mind, as it should yeah. have. By the way. I thank God that I didn't go see this in theaters because, like, fuck, <laughs> man. I probably anyway. saw some other, like, Disney movies before this in theaters, but this is mm. a very early, very early childhood movie experience for me. Yeah. And right. So, when, troll, man. Trolls coming at you. Like, I don't know if you can think about this this far back, but what was your feeling on this movie when you were a kid when you saw it? Oh man, I was just like hiding under my seat, like <laughs> trolls like coming out trying to kill these kids. And your dad probably thought it was hilarious that you were hiding. Oh under yeah, your seat. for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but everything is made well. Everything is made well at the end, as it should yeah. be, and yeah, everyone's safe, be. as only celluloid and, can provide. <laughs> and no one is murdered. But, oh, yeah, God. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember seeing this on video when I was a kid, but like it all blended together with all the other Ernest movies and TV show reruns and shit like that. So I don't I don't remember this movie per se. I remember the troll, like the main troll with the two noses. Yeah. But I don't remember anything else about this movie. So this was very much like a first time watch for me, even though I know I've seen this before. And I hated it. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. It made Watching me very it. ashamed that I ever liked Ernest. 
and it made me wonder how that sense of humor and me watching these movies damaged my cerebral cortex in any sort of long-term way. It really uh, did. It made me think about that. Yeah. But, now, to me watching this, I just... It was boring. I don't know. It's like... <laughs> You know, maybe it's just not so, as good when you're older and you know that everyone's going to be safe and they can't right. kill kids in a PG movie. But. <laughs> so, uh, give, looking at it as an adult and giving it a objective rating, what would you give it out of 10 stars? I know that previously you said if you're bored to tears of the movie, that's minus 10 right there. That is minus 12 <laughs> zero. But... Yeah, what 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 would you give this now? I mean, it's got some kind of fun things in it, so I'd give it like a three. The know. makeup probably being ahead of everything. Yeah, else. I mean, the makeup's kind of fun, and uh, yeah, there's a few yeah. kind of entertaining parts. Right. Then there's some really stupid shit that pisses me <laughs> off, but it's. You know, it gets rides out of me at least. It's at least emotionally engaging. So there's that <laughs> going for it. Right? Uh, so anyway, so Paul, jumping into this, like Jason X, like Jason X, this movie proudly proclaims a John Cherry film, right? Because that means nice. so much to the cinephile crowd out there. <laughs> wow, this is directed by John Cherry. We're in for a treat. But, ooh, Paul, there's blood titles. Very moody. With the organ, oh, too. Sure. Nice. But Nosferatu in the credits is the real kicker here. Like, he's rising up, you know, in, like, the famous scene from the 1922 classic Nosferatu. But this opening shows you all these great horror movies of yesteryear. Kind of like, remember all those great movies you grew up watching and all the classics? Yeah, this movie definitely isn't that. That's not that. <laughs> <laughs> It is it is sad though that Eartha Kitt is in this. Like I'm really confused by her involvement in this. It's like she she was in a lot of bad movies over the years and like bad TV shows, but nothing that was like blatantly like child hungry like this movie where it's just like <laughs> we're not even going to pretend to make a movie that's even put together in any sort of funny way or competent way. We're just going to make this movie because I mean in Hollywood they really did view before Pixar came along, they really did view like children as being stupid in a way and that they could get away with like giving people stupid content because children would just kind of eat it up. And like there was tons of these movies back in the day where it's just dumb as shit. Yeah. But I do really like that the name of the main producer on this is Coke Sam's. Like I totally forgot about that guy's name. And then when it came <laughs> up in the in the credits, I was like, wow, Coke Sam's. OK, yeah. Tells me a lot about where this movie came from, but <laughs> but why does why does Jim Varney as a sol or as a solemn townsperson with white mutton chops, which are terrifying by the way, in the flashback sequence at the beginning, <laughs> hold on to a sapling as the people bury a would be troll alive? Like everybody's fighting the troll, but he's holding this sapling. Like I know what the sapling does, and they plant it over the troll in order to keep it contained or whatever. But, like, everybody's fighting this troll and, like, freaking the fuck out. And he's just holding this tree. And there's no, like, context to this. It's just this guy with white mutton chops holding a tree. And I'm like, what? what is this? Like, what is going on? <laughs> but now there's a burlap sack and a net. Like, how how is a burlap sack and a net supposed to keep a troll trapped? That's what I really want to know. This is before they, tra they chain it down. 
he's in like a burlap sack and they throw a small net over him and I'm like, <laughs> come on. You know, they they don't even go into this at all, but like if if this creature is alive, why didn't they just kill it? You know what I mean? <laughs> like they Not they sure. killed shit all the time back in the day, but right. no, this they have I mean, to bury it. And if they had gone into some sort of like burn it, legend, crucify it first. Yeah. You know, oh, but like well, if sure. they <laughs> This movie would have been made infinitely more interesting yeah. if they crucified and burned the troll. <laughs> this is a very different movie, Paul. But <laughs> as we cut to the school, though, it's very clear this movie was made in 1990s America. Like, there is one uh, yeah. black kid in this class, and the white kids are being taught by an overweight black teacher. Anyone heard of the Mamie stereotype in movies, by the way? This is exactly what this is. This is a Mamie stereotype if I've ever seen one. Uh, I've not heard of this. You'll have to explain it to me. So the Mamie stereotype came from the 1932 film Gone with the Wind, right? Like Mamie is like the house slave in that movie. And she educates the white children. She takes care of everybody. And they all talk to her as if she's a human being. But, like, they never treat her with respect, number one. And, like, the woman who was in that movie, in Gone with the, the Wind, never even had her name appear in the credits because they yes. wouldn't credit black people in movies during yeah. this time period. They would only have the white actors on the credits, which is, like, shameful, by the way. But also, like, Mamie has a ton of dialogue in that movie. Like, she's got a lot of scenes. But right. she's not even credited. And I'm like, oh, well, it doesn't matter, you know, like, because apparently Hollywood didn't give a shit back in the day. They still don't give a shit. That whole thing this last <laughs> week about the Hollywood foreign press saying that they haven't had any new black members in 20 years. There hasn't been a <laughs> black member of the Hollywood mm. foreign press. I'm like, wow, that tells me so much about what's going on. I Maybe mean, that's why. Okay. All right. But, uh... This movie, they went out of their way to also cast a black jazz singer as a crazy like cabin That's lady. That's true. So you and know so they didn't have to do say that. that. <laughs> say that again, but slower. Crazy they cabin ca lady. They cast a black woman to play a crazy cat lady. No dignity there, Paul. Come on, <laughs> like come on. But anyway, but so she's the one who knows everything. I mean, she's right. the one who she's uh, the mystical. Yeah, she's, the she's the mystical, the magical black she's woman. The yeah, just witch. like yeah. <laughs> thank God for racism in movies. God damn it. But the overweight bully is named Murdoch, which is a shit name, by the way. This could be so easy to trash this child for his name alone, let alone him being overweight. This is something I really don't get. Like the kid's big, yeah, but like. This kid wouldn't be a bully in the school when I was growing up. This kid would be getting picked on all the time, and I was confused by him being cast as a bully. Did you know any, like, overweight bullies that had a silly no. name? I mean, come on, bro. No. You know, like, yeah. this is the 90s, man. <laughs> but it's, it's a good thing that the narrative is being introduced by a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Aryan girl, the very poster child of white America. She says her whole fucking speech about the whole setup for this movie. But Rimshot, you know, we cut into the next scene, and Rimshot the dog triggers the compactor in what can only be described as the cleanest and driest <laughs> trash truck ever. It's like he gets thrown in the back, and it's like just pieces of paper and, like, if you've ever seen the back of a trash truck, <laughs> it is covered in this soup of yeah. God knows what. It's yeah. 
it's one of those jobs. Like hundreds of layers unsung. of dried on like oil, fat, grease, and other rotting organic Calm material. blood, yeah. you know, like <laughs> bodily fluid. Yeah. I think it would have the been dude. funny if the, the movie had just ended with Ernest being compacted and everyone's like, <laughs> oh, he's dead. He had movie. no next of kin. It's over. Dude. His dog's going to the pound. It's <laughs> dark, Paul. It's very dark. <laughs> <laughs> The amount, the seriously though, like the amount of bodily fluid that's in the back of a fucking trash truck is insane. <laughs> like between spit and blood and vomit and diarrhea and cum and everything Rot, else. That rotten throw meat juice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's horrifying. But as the compactor continues, Ernest somehow stops a compactor triggered by rim shot with a lever by pulling the battery from his remote from his RC controlled trash truck only for the battery to arc a couple feet away to trigger the remote <laughs> and smash Ernest into a block of trash. But it's really Jim Varney believing that baby talk and gibberish are funny during this scene. And that's, that's what's really funny about this whole fucking thing. Not really. But coincidence abounds as Ernest is pulled over by the kids who rescued him's dad. As said cop dad drops the story set up in his exposition, but his would declaration ever, of would you ever get in the truck with the trash with a trash fuck no dude that's yeah. one of the main things that they teach yeah, you when you're like, in school no. don't get into a truck or get into any vehicle that's not your parents <laughs> like that's what they always reinforce Especially, this i mean when they have like a very quick and easy way of disposing of your body yeah it's, <laughs> it's best not to do that Dude, there hasn't been a serial killer movie like that yet. Like a fucking trash truck serial trash killer, man. man. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Tra Dude, you could call it the Trash Man. That would be fucking fantastic. <laughs> he compacts people? Fuck yeah. <laughs> gotta write this shit. This shit writes itself. <laughs> but anyway, this, this cop declares to Ernest, I told you to get out to the creepy house on the edge of town and clean up the garbage. Since when do cops tell trash men what to do? <laughs> like, seriously, since when? But going back to what you were saying earlier, Paul, like, while Eartha Kitt is fun as the crazy woman living in the Mad Max-esque house, casting a black person as the scary crazy woman is tone deaf <laughs> at best, and much more at worst. <laughs> the fat kid Murdoch destroys this kid's homemade haunted house, right? And then watching him try to run is one of the funniest things that I've seen in a while. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but childhood obesity, come on. They played that shit up for fun and like laughs back in the 90s and the 80s, and they don't do that shit anymore. Or do they? I don't even remember. I mean, the fat guy in almost any movie is the funniest guy. I haven't watched too many uh, kid movies recently. I'll be doing more of that soon, I suppose. Be like, oh, yeah, man. What is this new crap? Just give me an old racist 90s movie with the fat <laughs> kid that's funny when he runs and the weird pedophile guy. It's all good. Let's do it. These Speaking of, these are movies that you probably are never going to show your daughter, correct? I don't know. I mean, they, they're fairly harmless. But they're stupid. You know, like there's they so many stupid. other things you can show yeah. that are good. The amount of great children's movies that have come out as we've moved into adulthood is insane, dude. Like, the kids of this generation have so many great movies to look forward to, whether it's, like, 
the animated Spider-Man flick that just came out, you know, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, that's a fucking great movie, or any of the Pixar movies, like, these are great yeah, films, yeah, you know, and, yeah, like, it's well, some it's, great shit. There's a lot of power And they're complex, there. they're complex, like, emotionally, and it might, like, actually make these kids more empathetic or something, I don't know, I'd like to believe so, or it we'll could just harden out. them into serial killers, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a great <laughs> societal experiment, we'll see. Yeah. But as Ernest gives the kid a very long story about Botswana when he's in the in the haunted house or when he's in the uh, treehouse, he has at least a dozen costume changes. Like, how long does this lesson take? He's oh like switching between all his characters, and it doesn't make any sense. I guess it makes sense if you'd seen other Ernest movies, you'd seen his other shtick. But I'm just like bored and infuriated. Yeah, I by know this. it was it's weird because I. I imagine people watching that in the '90s and funny finding that whole sequence like funny and hilarious. hilarious yeah. But now I just watch it and it didn't get a single, single like laugh, chuckle, or you're even, just waiting I for it to end. That this is funny, <laughs> kind of thing out of me. It just wasn't funny. So I'm wondering what happened <laughs> in those years to kind of destroy that sense of humor in people. Oh, no, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Fucking HW, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Bushes is what happened, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we cut forward and like Ernest is in the in the garage, like jacking up the truck, right? And the jack starts coming out. But as the jack shoots out from under his car and crashes into the rear view uh, or the rear window of the mayor's car, the window clearly breaks long before the jack hits. Okay, so like. I know I shouldn't look for this kind of shit in a movie like this, but <laughs> as a film worker, even if you were on a shitty movie, you still should try to do your job competently. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I've, I've done some bad movies that um, I still put in the effort. You know what I mean? I was just not as much effort, but I'm like, I'm not going to just be lazy and phone it in. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever. Especially since my name is attached to it. I mean, somebody had to be, had their name <laughs> attached to this for special effects. Get one tank. One tank. Yeah. <laughs> but another thing, in the 90s that would not fly now, the whole crux of these movies is making fun of the mentally deficient. So there's that. Like, this would not fly in today's society. <laughs> I'm just saying. But the sapling thread gets expanded here. The troll somehow awakens only now as they build a massive treehouse because the hammering wakes it up, as if squirrels and woodpeckers and any number of animals that would fuck with the tree aren't a thing. Well, Ernest says the magic words and then stomps on the, the ground three all times. Right, that's, all right, fine. Because he fine. somehow knows this lore. He reads, right? Yeah, because he, he can read all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was like his great, 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 great granddad or whatever the fuck that buried the troll under it. But I mean, even the Aryan girl at the beginning, the uh, the Hitler youth at the beginning was saying how she, you know, the, the descendants of this guy were cursed as being stupider and stupider and stupider. <laughs> and then they show up at Ernest. So I'm like, he's about as dumb as a brick. He surely cannot read. But... <laughs> I imagine him like trying to write and read the way that Charlie Kelly on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia reads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when he looks at that note and he's like, it's uh, meat. It begins meat and uh, some other things. And uh, <laughs> it's so good. But as the kids defend their treehouse with overly complex weapons that fired 
food, dog food and frozen pizza and Man, rotten it pizza. Me off, like throwing all this pizza. I'm like, come on, where are these kids? Those are like ten bucks a pop, man. Those are like full size pizzas. Where do they get this shit? They just steal them out just of their parents' freezer, I man. So, like, man. how much food did you steal when you were a kid? Of like other friends, like families and shit like that. I was constantly <laughs> taking shit out of people's freezer <laughs> and eating my fucking no, not like taking it home with me. I'm saying like I was eating like a fucking madman because I was growing, yeah. and I would find any reason not to have to eat at home because my mom would always make me eat broccoli or whatever. Yeah. Something like that I hated, yeah, and bullshit. so I would. Yeah. As soon as I went over to a friend's house, I would raid their freezer and I would eat everything <laughs> I could out of that fucking thing. But nice. anyway, nice. but as as they usually, start fun- I would do that. But the friends who own the freezer would be involved in this, like <laughs> stealing everything out of the freezer too. I went like sure sneak enough. when they were out back. I went sneak into the kitchen and like start <laughs> eating things out of the. I mean. Come Persons. on, man. We we did that all the way through college. How many times did we go over to my mom's house and just eat oh, everything well. that she had on the counter? Yeah. Yeah. No, I see. I see. That's how it worked now because they would be gone. Yeah. Okay. That's a Gabe it's thing. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> But they start firing these dog food cans and the rotten pizza at the fat kit or at the fat Murdoch boys, right? But all I can think of is, do you think the composers Bruce Arnston and Kirby Shellstad are proud of the score that they created for this oh, movie? Yeah, because it's yeah. horrible at this exact moment. Yeah, it's one of those fucking 90s comedy scores that I just hate. You hate so much. It's a perfect yeah. example of that. Yeah, just, just <laughs> listen to the score of this movie grating as fuck <sighs> at the end of the at the end of the credits it did say that this uh this fucking score was available on cassette and Ooh. lp paul during this time God period damn, so you could have gone into sam goody at this time period and bought the <laughs> earnest scared stupid score and listen to that shit in your car on your fucking tape player. <laughs> i don't know if you'd go into the like a record store and get it you'd probably have to order it from columbia records or whatever you know for their 30 tapes for a dollar deal or whatever (laughs) speaking of rotten pizza paul this leads me to my sandwich beef Uh, of the week let's talk about the number one easiest item i get delivered in any part of the city paul and i'm sure in seattle as well chinese food right (laughs) so I used to live in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. The real Crown Heights, that is. Not this, I live on Franklin and Dean, and because it says Crown Heights on the map, I live in the hood Crown Heights. This was like the real Crown Heights. I'm talking about Ralph and Pacific, Weeksville Crown Heights, where gentrification hadn't gotten to until two years (laughs) after I moved in. Down the block on Ralph, just past past Dean on your left-hand side headed south, is a Chinese restaurant takeout only it's called a one number one chinese restaurant anyone that knows me knows that i have a weakness for asian food chinese and thai especially then vietnamese then japanese in that order unless you're talking about sushi then fuck the rest of them japanese gets straight up to the top of the line (laughs) where does where does korean fall in Korean, I'm actually not that big of a fan of Korean food. I like Korean barbecue, but Korean barbecue yeah, is like badass. unusually specific. It's not like just some, there wasn't a lot yeah. of Korean barbecue in Al- Albuquerque. I don't actually think there was a Korean barbecue in Albuquerque. I don't actually, recall now I there being it. one. Yeah. yeah. Get on that, Albuquerque. Get a Korean barbecue. Get the fuck. <laughs> but, get your shit together. <laughs> get your shit together. 
Pack it all up, put it in his backpack, take it to the shit store, sell it at the shit store if you have to. But anyway, so one night, shortly after moving in, I'm too tired to cook, and it just I just want something salty and tasty to wash the taste of bullshit out of my mouth that I had eaten that entire week at work. I order up the Chinese on Seamless, and less than 10 minutes later, it's at my door. Two, two blocks away really helps with this 10-minute thing, but I crack it open and see huge you can just, portion. You can just walk over there. Oh man, I'm fucking tired. I just said that. <laughs> I don't fucking get up. But I crack it open and I see huge portion sizes. Not a lot of color in the portions, but that's okay. But huge portion sizes, right? And for 25 bucks, you can't beat the price. So I'm excited to try this orange flavored chicken and fried rice with the spring roll that I ordered, right? And as I sit down and open the dish, the steam has sweated pretty profusely on my food. But that's okay. I'm, I'm ready to nosh at this point. I bite into the generously sized portion of chicken and bam, Morton's salt. So much, in fact, that oh. it burns my mouth. <laughs> bad breading, right, Paul? That happens. No biggie. You know, bad breading on that side, whatever. So I bite into another one. Dry as fuck, but not as salty, like crunchy dry. Another one, nice and moist, but the breading on one side has a fucking oil pocket in it that bursts in my mouth. And this isn't high-quality fry oil either. This is that $3 a drum shit, you know, the disgusting shit that tastes yeah. like straight canola oil. <laughs> but I spit it out and move on yet again to a piece of chicken that doesn't taste like chicken. It doesn't taste like beef. It doesn't taste like anything but MSG and salt and oil. Fuck, I really fucked up on this one. Oh, well, I still have the fried rice and spring rolls, I think, right? So I turn on that. You know when they fuck up fried rice, Paul, that it is pretty much just mush and oil and burnt egg yeah, with very yeah, little veggies? Oh, yeah. yeah. That would God be the dude. Martin Yan level of culinary prowess <laughs> compared to what I bit into, right? A yellow paste that mostly resembles building plaster. The egg was so hard, it was like chips of paint inside of my fucking like, <laughs> mat. Disgusting. Uh, I spit nice. that out, too. Yeah. A mouthful of oil still clinging to my palate. Fuck, I think. I still have the spring roll. I still got that. It's great. But what's great about a spring roll, Paul? Is it the rice paper? Is it good. is it the fresh is it the fresh veggies inside? Is it the delightful crunch of the refreshed palate? I'm not sure exactly what it is. That I love about get spring the sauce rolls so much. There too, you know. Yeah, the sauce, sauce is great. The peanut sauce and the the house in sauce or whatever that you dip it in. Yeah, it's great. But for me, it's a hard choice between all of those, right? I love all that shit about spring rolls, but not this night. This night, I bit into something that was opaque and mushy and kind of wilted. As I got to the veggies, they were as flaccid as Rudolph Giuliani, a Frankenstein sack of shit masquerading in white paper. I spit that out too and threw it all in the trash, instead turning to the soul food spot on the corner of Ralph and Pacific instead for dinner. Excellent soul food. Listen up. I love you with all my heart, and I miss your food every day now that I live in Brownsville. But A1, number one Chinese restaurant on Ralph and Dean, you fucking suck. Please, please, please get your shit together. Until then, please don't send out mush and call it food. It's not. What you fed me can only be compared to the liquid brown mist that sprayed out of my ass the whole next morning as your chemical soylent green level food burned through my intestines. Pure <laughs> shit. 
This city offers some of the best Chinese food in the world, but you guys certainly are the worst. Go fuck yourself, you fucking children. <laughs> Anyway, I don't think I've had uh, Chinese food in this city. Really, in Seattle isn't isn't Seattle something like thirty percent Asian or thirty percent? Oh yeah, Chinese? there's a fuckload. I just don't think I've had Chinese food for whatever mm. reason. It's weird. You got to remedy that, man. Yeah, I mean, there's they like, gotta have good sushi. Oh man, my favorite thing, right? Oh yeah, the sushi's great. There's tons of Japanese teriyaki, all that, but. Like your kind of Americanized Chinese food, I right, don't think obviously. I've I tried that. The one my like favorite thing right now is Taiwanese dumplings. Mm-hmm. Those are fucking mm-hmm. good. Like the soup dumplings, fuck. Yeah. We bite into <laughs> it and like that broth comes. Oh fuck me, fuck me. All right, anyway, that's good. Right. That's good. Yeah. You know what? Actually, this may this may actually be kind of uh, what's called um, sacrilegious to say, but like. I'm not a big fan of pho, you know, like I've had some good pho's, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of soup in general. Like I, I just kind of like, maybe it's cause I have sensitive teeth or whatever, but I just, I don't dig pho. I'm just kind of like confused by yeah, it. It's, I it's do like delicious. ramen, but I yeah. just like immediately suck out all the noodles and eat whatever egg or like pork belly or whatever is in my ramen. I don't really stick around for the broth, even though the broth is supposed to be like the fucking king of the dish or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you got to get the good broth, and maybe, maybe you just haven't had good broth, or maybe you're just a bitch and you can't, you can't handle uh, salty, meaty goodness. That is, uh, it could be tasty broth. I don't know, dude. You know what I made tonight, man? Was I made fresh pasta and marinara sauce, like from Mm. scratch? Yeah. God damn, I love. It's like it can be the shittiest looking pasta, but if it's if you like make it fresh, it's so fucking good. So good, dude. So good. My brother bought me these uh, these fucking uh, attachments for the mixer in order to make it easy, oh, nice. in order to roll out the yep. dough and shit. And that's been like a game changer, bro, because oh, I yeah. used to like roll it out by hand and then slice it with a knife in order to make my linguine noodles. It yeah. took like two hours to make yeah, pasta like that. And now I can make pasta in like 45 minutes. It's fucking insane. It's like yeah. so quick. But anyway, no. we cut... We cut to the <laughs> troll awakening under the tree, right? We see that he is tied up with rope and chains now, even though we didn't see that when he was buried. He was just thrown in the ground in a fucking sack, but besides the fact. But consider the premise of this setup, Paul, right? It's night. Three kids are in the woods secluded from society with a trash man <laughs> in his early 40s acting very friendly with them. Who is okay with this setup now? I'm just, I'm seriously asking. Like, am I the only one that was thinking this this entire time? I'm watching this movie and I'm like, this shit is creepy, man. Yeah, no, just me watching this now. I'm like, yeah, kids just aren't allowed to ride their bikes. Just wild children running around, having adventures with the trash man. That just shit doesn't happen (laughs) today anymore. I mean, this all, like I said, the setup itself, I just kept thinking of it the entire movie and I was like, this is how kids get diddled. Like, this is what's happening in this movie. Is that something's happening in the background that they aren't showing. But anyway, maybe that's just because my brain's fucked up and that's all I can think of is, like, fucked up shit that's going to happen in a movie. <laughs> anyway, so the rubber puppetry... I'm sorry, the rubber puppetry and the wooden kid dolls are not bad, even 30 years on, right? So, like, I, I got to give them some props to... 
Yeah, no, their sets are pretty fun too. Uh, you know, it's yeah. I, I, you can even you if can appreciate some of the stupid and child friendly. Like, <laughs> there's some you good. Appreciate some of the the makeup effects and uh, yeah, the props and yeah. all that stuff. It's pretty fun. Yeah. But I, I got a real question. Like, how much of Ernest's career was spent ad libbing? Like half his dialogue when he <laughs> runs back to the sheriff's house and again as a grown man. Tells how he was hanging out with three children in the treehouse in the middle of the night. <laughs> come on, you know what I mean? He's telling the sheriff this. I'm like, dude, come on. I don't know where Eartha Kitt's character gets all this custom decorative metal work on her house, right? But if she does it herself, she is an immensely talented metal worker, right. and maybe she would fit right in with the well, yuppies I mean, the of first, Santa Fe. First scene she pulls out. She like comes out of her house. She's got like a welding torch in her hand. So I yeah, I can know. assume that she's doing it herself. So that's pretty awesome. She's talented, man. I loved a lot of that art in her fucking yard. I thought it was cool. But anyway, so Eartha, Eartha refers to Ernest as the great redneck. So she's redneck not just hope. a crazy cat lady. She's also an artist. All right. Okay. okay Misunderstood. Fine. Artist. Yeah. I do like her Mad Max aesthetic <laughs> all over everything, though. It's pretty cool. But Eartha refers to Ernest as the great redneck hope, right? But after 45, I'm left to believe there are stupider people, there are stupider people than Ernest that people actually put stock in. And him running around screaming in a megaphone and throwing flyers does not even touch the insanity <laughs> of the QAnon jerk-offs out there. I'm just saying. People believe a lot stupider uh, shit than the troll is like trying to kill their kids in the woods. Now we believe the Democrats drink blood of children and tear off children's faces, <laughs> but and that they're Satan worshiping pedophiles. But whatever, you know, I mean that that's perfectly fine. We have three congressmen right now that believe in this shit. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, anyway. So the remaining kids meet up in the park as the girl, this girl, the Aryan girl, works on her bike, right? And then they agree to go back to the treehouse to investigate where their missing friend is, but the cops somehow haven't been called on Ernest at this point, right? Like, they were the lat. Think about it. Even though he's a grown ass man who is the last person to be seen with said child, but my question is, is about the park and the neighborhood that they live in, right? The the girl leaves her bike completely unattended in this public park right. as she runs to go back to the tree. Is there any neighborhood in America that's this safe? Seriously. Like, if I left my fucking bike in the middle of a park and told my parents, like, the next day that, oh, I think I left it in the park, my parents would be so fucking pissed. <laughs> And even if my bike wasn't missing, they would make me go look for it. And even if it was there, they would take it away from me for like a month for leaving it in the middle of the park. You know what I mean? Whatever. But so as Ernest is standing in front of the hardware store salesman, right? And the salesman is listing off all the anti-troll products that he is selling Ernest. He presents us with a bunch of numbers and says that the total is $1,749.98 plus tax, right? But... If you know how to do math and you listen carefully, his list totals $847.85, so only $902.13 
less than what the fucking salesman quoted him. Maybe these people shouldn't take advantage of the mentally deficient. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and where does Ernest get $1,749? They are living the American dream right now. Take advantage. Oh, Ernest just spent all of his life savings and his 401k. He emptied all of it out to save these. 401k? Like, <laughs> you think this guy has a 401k? Come on, man. He stuffs his money in a mattress, guaranteed. <laughs> Probably with his like dead mother in like the lower downstairs dining room, like still in her wig. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, if Jim Varney, if Jim Varney ever played Ed Gein, he would be the perfect oh, fucking badass. cast as Ed Gein, bro. That would be bad. He would kill that role. You no, know, I wish honestly, I wish like Jim Varney had a chance at some dramatic roles or something like that in his career. There's that apparently, movie Hundred Proof, could, bro. Hundred Proof, uh, yeah, but apparently he could like quote Shakespeare, and his yeah. lifelong dream was wanting to play Hamlet or something like that, but he never got but a chance. He's like, earnest, yeah. yeah. Oh, but, fucking tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is like the story of the three stooges, man. Like, you know, uh Larry, Larry the curly haired guy on the three stooges, yeah. he he was a classically trained pianist and violinist, man, like concert level. And he was yeah. doing these fucking slapstick shorts <laughs> for his entire life. And he drank himself to death, dude. Like Larry yeah. drank himself to death. And, like, the only people that survived, because Curly had some <laughs> horrifying neurological disease that killed him. But, like, the only people that were left were, like, Moe and Shemp. And then Shemp got so depressed about, like, Curly dying, who was literally his brother, that he fucking drank himself to death, too. So the only person that was left was Moe because Larry sank into a depression. Like, if you don't know the story of the Three Stooges, man, there's some <laughs> fucked up shit. For real. Like, really fucked up. And I hated it, too, because Curly was always my favorite. And then when he died, like, Curly Joe came on after Shemp started drinking himself to death. And Curly yeah, Joe man. is, like, the worst. Curly but Joe could just go fucking die. He, he can go die, yeah. <laughs> and fucking Curly. Curly had three wives die on him, dude. He was yeah, married dude. six huh. times. He had three women die on him from, like, horrible mm. fucking diseases. And I'm just like, these guys have no luck, man. Like, <laughs> god damn. And they're still doing these comedies. Like, if it was me, uh, I would have just quit. Yeah, <laughs> like they were studio broke. slaves, basically. Unbelievable, man. Like, they got, they got so fucked over. It was just incredible. They need to make a good watching them is just, movie. That's why watching them is just so funny. Yeah, you can think um, about the tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> they need to make a good Stooges biopic yeah, movie, man. Like, something that's, awesome. like, legit. Because their story is incredible. But anyway, going back to this, Ernest descends the stairs in his new troll gear, right? And he states he is sporting 15 megabytes of double-density wafer-thin oh, alloy. Yeah. Nice. Techno-speak. <laughs> again, look, again, this is a kid's movie, but thank fuck that Pixar decided it can write things that make sense so that the adults paying to see these movies with their kids might actually like the movie and may come back for seconds driving a multi-billion dollar kid film industry compared to this flaccid $14.14 million gross against its $15 million budget. <laughs> but the kid on the skateboard is clearly anticipating the troll grabbing him, right? The one that's like sk skating by Earth the Kid's house. His hands are even up like long before the troll even grabs him. And I don't know if they just counted on people not seeing this, but it's very obvious that the kid is anticipating it. Just saying. 
But the kids wander into Eartha's house to meet Ernest again. Consider the setup. Two young kids <laughs> meet with a grown man in derelict house of an agoraphobic shut-in. What movie am I watching? What is this? <laughs> but Ernest's fourth wall breaking double take to camera after slamming his hand and handed the dumpster is exactly why this movie is so terrible. If we focused on any other protagonist with the inner cuts of the trolls stalking kids, this movie might actually be interesting. But the fact that we're sitting on Ernest for a majority of this makes this whole enterprise just stupid. <laughs> like, I know it's an Ernest movie. I know. But like... The idea itself isn't terrible, but if it was anybody but Ernest, this movie might actually be some weird, like, campy bullshit. Especially if it was rated R, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, rated Show R. me some oh, kids yeah. getting torn in half by the troll and their blood <laughs> being drank or something like that. I would pay to see that shit. But this little girl, the Aryan girl, kisses the little boy on the cheek as they part ways, right? And Ernest shies away from them in embarrassment. But again... Grown man, dump truck, watching little kids kiss. Is this movie fun anymore for anybody out there that actually <laughs> likes this movie? Seriously. <laughs> As we cut from Ernest getting catapulted from a giant bear trap, apparently everyone forgot to get an establishing shot to enter the next scene of Ernest on the CB radio because there is a fucking freeze frame that is out of focus to establish the truck in the Bill Martin CB food parking lot. Just saying, this is one of those stupid little things that just bothers me to no end. I'm like, that is a terrible, terrible fucking bit of filmmaking right there. But as Ernest stocks up on snacks to stake out the troll, the cashier asks Ernest, you throwing a big party over at the school, Ernest? Again, Think about this line. In context, <laughs> grown man asks another grown man who is unmarried and without kids himself if he is throwing a party at the school for children at night. How creepy is this shit? <laughs> but finally, after more than 24 hours missing, the parents of the first missing kid are at the police station reporting their missing parent or their missing kids, right? Along with other parents. <laughs> These parents are terrible at their jobs. Like, these kids have been missing yeah. for more than 24 hours. Yeah. I would feel like there would be a little more panic about <laughs> all these kids gone no missing. Doubt. But it was the 90s. And they're like, eh, you know, kids. Jean Benet went missing. Just, so, they yeah, just, yeah, they run around, whatever. I mean, I was gone for a couple of days up. at a time when I was a kid, bro. Like, my parents had to go through some of this shit where they would call the police because oh. I was just, I wouldn't come home. I would just be hanging out with friends in the middle of the fucking Mesa until two in the morning when I was eight. <laughs> I was like, how did, <laughs> how did my parents not kill me when I was a child? Seriously. Uh, yeah. But Ernest. killed you. Yeah, no doubt. But you tried to kill me many times, but that's a whole nother story. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> but Ernest thinks he's tra or he traps the troll in his dumpster chap, right? And of course it's revealed that it's actually the Murdoch boys who he caught. But here's my question. I know they are stupid bullies and that they need this scene for the all is lost moment, but what were the Murdoch boys doing on Halloween, wandering through the forest to find a dumpster trap and decide that they're <laughs> going to climb into the orange dumpster labeled free kids on it? What were they really yeah, doing? You know what I mean? Like, how the fuck did they weird. end up in this situation? It's weird. Very weird. They if you probably think, just be arrested, honestly. If you think at all during this movie, <laughs> this movie just comes apart, like, really quickly. You can't think while you're watching it. 
But Ernest fires himself up by saying, I've never known when to quit. Well, that much is obvious, Jim Varney. You should have killed <laughs> Ernest off years before this movie. But as Ernest gets into the slowest speed car fight ever, he holds up his garden <laughs> shears to defend himself, only for the troll to cut them in half with his now conveniently produced sword, right? But a second later, Ernest opens the shears to block the blade of the same sword. How did this super sharp sword stop working all of a sudden between these two whacks? But as they arrive at the school, a little girl is throwing a tantrum because she doesn't like her Halloween costume, right? And her performance on I Love You is so poor as she runs to her mom. I couldn't help but think she was faking and was going to kick her mom in the cunt. That's where my mind went to during this scene. It's such bad acting, dude. I was like, she's going to kick her in the cunt. I know she is. And then she wanders over. I was like, ah, damn it. No, no, no cunt shot. Damn it. Fuck. But as I see the troll, this movie and just insert all of these random, random things in here, just to make it an R-rated, earnest random movie. acts of violence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't see why not. <laughs> but as I see the troll attack the kid on the stage, all I can think of is Danny DeVito saying, "You gotta pay the troll toll if you want to uh, get in this boy's home." Hold, hold on a second. Hold on. There's a child screaming here. Oh, wait, wait, what's going on? Say hello to Jill. Oh. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I felt that. There's what was like it? no diaper barrier. <laughs> what was like that? No diaper barrier. What side did that come out of? Oh, my God. It was the ass. <laughs> it was like direct. It felt like it's directly on my skin, but there's nothing. I guess the diaper stopped it. Oh my god, I'm oh my god. Okay. Oh my god. That was really loud in my okay. ear, actually. Okay. I thought that was you shitting oh, yourself. I thought you shit yourself for a second, yeah. Paul. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. You should do these like weird writhing, struggling things. And you're like, what's the deal, baby? Are you unhappy? And then she'll be like, <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> she is your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Uncontrollably shit yourself. <laughs> anyway, so Paul, as as I see the troll attack the kid on the stage, right? All I can think of is Danny DeVito and it's always sunny in Philadelphia singing, You gotta pay the troll toll. If you wanna get in this boy so you gotta pay the troll toll to get in. And I'm just thinking about that while I'm watching this. I was like, God damn. Danny DeVito, national treasure human being. <laughs> But there is some terrible camera blocking in this after Ernest gets kicked in the chest through the lemonade stand in the gym, right? Like, he gets kicked in the chest, he flies through the lemonade stand, and as he sits up, the crowd surrounds him in the wide, but for several lines, the crowd is blocking Jim Varney's face. And I was just like, where's the edit? Like, cut into the close-up. Like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. It's just, you're just seeing his face blocked. I was like, okay, whatever. But the idiot, my, the idiot male child pieces together that Mayak, as Ernest thinks is the secret to kill the troll, is actually milk because mothers care. Is this a reference to breastfeeding and that all these morons are the way that they are because they were breastfed until they were 30? Like, this would explain a lot about <laughs> Ernest, by the way. Or is it just, just, as that, just as that scene came up, 
Jill started breast pumping. And she's like, ah, I don't know, what is this? Why is Ernest covered in milk? Now he's... It's there's it's no good reason uncomfortable for it, Paul. Here. It's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> but or or is the milk angle secretly employed by the American Milk Association to get people to drink more milk? I'm I'm more leaning toward that one. Uh, like yeah, and I mean Ernest and the milk lobby go way back, honestly. Like really? those are some of his first commercials. Like he did oh, a lot right. of milk commercials. Yeah. Remember those, man? Milk commercials in the middle of the 90s? Like, in the middle of the day, it would be like those fucking trendy commercials where they're like, got milk? Blah, 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 blah. Milk is terrible, by the way. Like, we shouldn't keep drinking <laughs> milk as human beings. I'm just saying. <laughs> this isn't me being, like, a uh, a hippie or whatever, but, like, this is the God's honest truth, dude. Like, I still eat cheese and I still eat ice cream, but, like, I cannot have milk on my cereal anymore. Like, if I have milk on my cereal... I feel like shit the entire day. I get like sweats. I like shit myself. It's horrible. (laughs) And I don't know what it is, man, but it's only when I drink milk. And so like I switched over to, uh, to oat milk like years ago, like pro or uh, cashew milk or oat milk. And I have never felt better. And I never want to go back to drinking fucking cow's milk. It's disgusting. But anyway, uh, it's all that like, uh, hormone pus. Yeah, what is it? The uh, the FDA says that up to seven percent of your milk can be pus and blood because they <laughs> overmilk the cows. It's all good. It's disgusting, but and they don't have RBST human growth hormone, but they have any number of other growth <laughs> hormones in there. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. It's, it's fine. So gross. Just that one. Proudly, don't use the human growth hormone. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> But, dude, Ernest wrecks his car into a tree trying to kill the troll, only to completely miss. But the problem is, despite full-speed impact, his vehicle isn't even damaged. Did they run out of money at this point and they couldn't even afford to crash a car? Like I, I mean, do, car crashes are expensive, man. I mean, they are expensive. Crashing. But, I mean, they did the cutaway, though. Like, they would just need a smash-up car, which they could do yeah. with, like, a bunch of hammers and yeah. some fucking blowtorches. Yeah, and junk or whatever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. They couldn't even afford that. They're just lazy. (laughs) Yeah, lazy motherfuckers. Wait, does Ernest drive the car after that? I don't remember. No, the the movie ends at that scene. Like, not at this moment, but at that scene. He never gets back in the car. Okay. But I I do like the troll eggs going into the ground and hatching, though. I don't know how trolls are born with axes, armor, and other weapons in the egg, (laughs) though, but like. I do like this moment. It actually reminds me magic. sort of of the thing, you know, like the way that these things are like hatching and like twisting and like there's yeah. tendrils coming out and shit. Reminds me a lot of that. But the kids go into the store and steal a bunch of milk and a ride by on their bikes, right? So in a broad, non-contextual sense, stealing is okay as long as you are using it to fight evil. Is that what this fucking movie's trying to tell kids? Absolutely. There's no time. <laughs> And besides, the kid's dad is the sheriff, so who yeah, gives a fuck? I mean, yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to arrest me? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But as the townsfolk descend on Some a tree. Some privilege right there, shit. Right? For what would real? you do if your dad was the sheriff of a Dude, small town? Like I would Miami? act like that. I would act like that jock douchebag Moonanite from uh, <laughs> from uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where he's just like, "Hey, hey, my dad owns a What's dealership." 
<laughs> his daddy owned a dealership, y'all. <laughs> so good. But as the townsfolk descend on a tree on the tree and fight the trolls, Ernest thinks his best option is to go up into the treehouse and fight back using his weapons he designed for the kids. But again, context. A grown man in his 40s goes into a child's treehouse and fucks around, self-filating himself about how good his fighting skills are, while trolls are attacking and possibly eating people. But Shtick and Benny Hinn chase scenes are more important here. Yeah, I'm the wondering, kids- like, all these people are being assaulted and practically raped by these trolls or whatever the fuck's going on. I they always cut away when the trolls catch someone. Right. And like, what are they doing to them? They're like, being raped. They're being yeah. raped. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Come on. Let's be real. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but the kids the kids show up and squirt the trolls with milk and super soakers, and the gooey puddle that they turn into is pretty awesome. I gotta say, yeah, like yeah, when they dissolve sad. into that puddle, I'm like, it's juicy. I like it, you know, like this <laughs> shit. But a kid runs up to the car with a couple trolls looking like they're attempting to gang rape this kid, which is disturbing, by the way, and opens a carton of milk and throws the carton in the sunroof like it's a grenade, even ducking like it's going to explode. (laughs) But it's clear that no milk sprays onto the troll on top of the car, but he still dissolves into a puddle somehow. This is just shoddy (laughs) filmmaking. But as Ernest tells the idiot kid that they need to defend the fort from the trolls, he does yet another suit up with all of his characters because he has 30 minutes of real world time for him to change his (laughs) outfits. He even manages to slip in a racist quip about the Chinese saying, quote, little trolls in China don't even get any milk, end quote. Racist much, motherfucker? Come on, man. But also, he tells one of the trolls that a little milk will help with his snot problem. But milk makes mucus thicker and only worsenings breathing problems. Like, I'm just saying, this is some fucking milk lobby bullshit if I've ever seen it, for real. But can we talk about the strange image of squirting white stuff splattering on people's faces, Paul? Am I the only one that's thinking about this at this point? For real. No, I no, thought I was, about it a lot too. For like, what sure. The fuck? What is happening? Why am I watching this? And you know that every adult on this fucking movie was thinking about that when this was happening. They were just like, what am I working on? They were cut. We're shooting these close ups of people getting splattered in the face with white shit. Like, what am I, what am I working on? <laughs> But the main troll growing his horns and teeth and those flailing appendages in the tree is pretty intense, bro. Like, that's some intense imagery. <laughs> like, seems like this movie is cut from the same silly cloth as the thing in that way. Like, the yeah. same slimy cloth and might give kids nightmares. I mean, I don't know if this is nah, what yeah, it's pretty frightening. Yeah. No like doubt. All of his crazy, like, tentacles, like, shooting out of his head and stuff. Like, yeah, his claws getting larger. Yeah, As an adult, I'm like, this pretty shit's pretty stuff. cool, actually, like, surprisingly. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. But they kill all the trolls, and the crowd apply- applauds Ernest and the kid as they stand around bowing, right? A grown man in his 40s standing uh, next to a child. By the way, this, the whole scene of them fighting the trolls just seems to go on and on it takes forever i don't know how long it was at least 20 minutes but god damn yeah it's a really long scene it's fucking irritating too 
but again, dude, like he's a grown man bowing next to a child standing in a treehouse that he helped him build in the middle of the woods in front of the parents, and he's reveling in these parents' applause. Like this, I know I shouldn't be thinking about this. I know it in my heart, <laughs> but like, come on, this shit is creepy. But Ernest faces off against the original troll and realizes his only way to beat the troll is to show the unconditional love of a child and proceeds to hug and dance with the troll, swinging it in circles. I'm not sure if this is a way of implying the only way you can subdue an unruly child who is acting like a troll is to show it love. <laughs> like, is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. I don't get this moment. <laughs> But Ernest kisses the troll for the final gross-out oh. moment of kissing the snot, only for the troll's head to explode a la Dawn of the Dead, <laughs> which is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, it's, yeah. It's pretty sweet how they kept putting in all these moments of intense violence in a kid's movie, man, like, for real. And there's, like, there's like chunks flying, too, dude. It's not like... It's not like a little, it's not like a, a, a fucking matte painting explosion or something like yeah, that, like a no. flame ball. I mean, that's, it's like chunks a lot flying. Of movies, a lot of movies could take a little lesson from this movie in that to make sure that the villain is dead, just make their head explode, and then it's pretty obvious that it's dead instead of the Chunks like, flying, yeah. Cop-out bullshit. Yeah. No, it's it's stop dead. with the fucking it's, digital it's, blood, it's, man. The digital yeah. blood is the worst. Like, show me shit like this. Show me a fucking <laughs> makeup effect exploding. This shit is awesome. But anyway, so the kids in the tree are released from their wooden prison, right? One of the filmmakers reinforce that the black children are dressed like sharecroppers as Eartha Kitt embraces them, and I'm just like, come on, bro. I'm like, come on. This really, all the other this kids. This was I mean, this, Missouri. I mean, back in the day, yeah, they were <laughs> going to be sharecroppers or worse. So yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it could have gotten a lot darker than this. <laughs> but as we realize that Rimshot is okay and he runs to Ernest's arms, right? They collapse while kissing each other below the frame. As we stay on Earth, a kid as she looks directly in a camera as if to say, well, this is embarrassing. A grown man is making out with a dog right in front of me as we fade to black and roll credits like credits. <laughs> the credits roll over the worst howdy duty fanfare I've ever heard. Like real musicians in an orchestra <laughs> recorded for the movie, Paul, like real yeah. artists. Yeah. God damn it. But this movie was shot in Tennessee, right? While I don't assume to believe that every state can have great films come out of it, this is surely something that Tennessee tries to forget they had a hand in, right? Like, I would. I would fucking say, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't grant any film permits for that shit. Uh, Tennessee, now that was Kentucky. Yeah, yeah totally. Kentucky. Totally. Kentucky or fucking Alabama. Dude, Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas is a dump. Man, <laughs> fucking... <laughs> You've driven through Arkansas, right? Yeah, yeah. There's not much going on there. What is the worst state that you've driven through in the South? <sighs> Alabama's pretty bad. <laughs> you know, I've only driven through Arkansas, though, in a quick, brief glimpse at night. So, I, I don't know. It wasn't, give it a, it wasn't a place that I would want to, like... <laughs> get out of the car at night and <laughs> you know you've seen deliverance yeah, too many times to know that. better thank you listeners once again this is the movie dicks podcast thank you for examining 1991's Ernest scared stupid which 
You know, I mean, we've done a lot of bad movies on the show, Paul, and <laughs> this is a bad movie for sure, but this is by far the stupidest movie that we've done where it's just like it's just blatantly bad. You know, it's not it's not trying to be good or it's not trying to lean into the camp like troll or like a uh, blood gnome. Yeah. <laughs> like this is just blatantly stupid for the sake of being stupid and I, I don't know how the shit ever flew, to be honest with you. It was a different time where kids could leave their bikes in parks and uh, <laughs> hang out with 40-year-old single men. Uh, can hang out in tree houses with children yeah. and not be looked at as a weirdo. It's fine. <sighs> Dark days. <laughs> Dark days. Anyway, thank you listeners once again for joining us. This is the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Shenmue. Have a great night, guys. <laughs>